Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. When you look at your skills and experience, do you ever think about how to use them to do something entirely outside the box? To transcend expectations, think bigger, and bring dreams to life? Jesse Spokowski is a photographer, videographer, and lifelong learner exploring these questions. In this conversation, Jesse shares his learning journey from being a kid with a video camera filming his friends to an adult photographing everything from real estate and tourism to nature, bears, and the ferocious pug. He talks about how he learned to be alone in nature, to read the body language of animals, to overcome fear through experience, and how it all connects to entrepreneurship. He also gives insight into what is possible as he collaborates with his partner in her business. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 700. I'm curious about how I can use the skill set that I've developed with photography to kind of in a way get myself away from doing it as a service-based business. So lately I've been curious, or for the last couple of years, I've really been interested in um, stuff like Web3, uh, like the whole money, finance space, decentralization, crypto, AI, tech, and uh, just how I can use my skill set to develop something that's kind of outside of what I've been doing for such a long period of time. I'm I'm at, at a point where I want to grow and I want to expand and thinking bigger and looking at my options. Yeah, outside of photography as a service, but using it to kind of grow these other revenue streams. Yeah, I love that. Like, who inspires you with to grow bigger? Like when you look around the world and see what people are accomplishing? Uh, I I spend a lot of time on YouTube books, podcasts, it's been uh, an obsession of mine. Like I, I just a sponge, I don't ever stop learning. So there's uh, all kinds of finance gurus on on YouTube and just seeing what everybody has to say would be some examples. Uh, there's a guy, Hamza, there's Alex Ramosi, there's Justin Waller. I don't know, so many people, there's dozens of people that I watch. There's books I've been reading. There's just trying to trying to think bigger and look at a, a bigger picture and kind of where where I can go with that, what I can do with my skill set. That seems to be a recurring theme too, because I think for a lot of creative people, that notion of moving beyond whatever their creative pursuit is as a service. I mean, it's it can be really exhausting, and photography is one that's even harder because of how prevalent photography is now. Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it hasn't been easy, but I've also really enjoyed my experiences in the photography industry. Uh, I've met so many amazing people. I've got so many crazy stories. You know, I've I've hung out of helicopters. I've flown around in airplanes. I've been to all sorts of crazy places and done all sorts of crazy things through photography so i really appreciate it for that but yeah I'm, I'm at a point where i'm ready to pivot with that and kind of grow beyond that using that skill set i think 
you know, in a way I do have some ideas and some other businesses that I've been thinking about and want to work towards. Uh, I don't want to say too much on that, but just. <laughs> I totally understand that. Got some ideas and it's like, well, I can create all the content for that. I can take the photos. I can do the video. Yeah. And then just everything else that I've learned through running a, a small business, I feel like I'm already ahead of the game because I know what steps to take if I want to go down a, a different path. Because mm -hmm. I've, I've made all the mistakes. I've, you know, I've done all, all my homework. There's a Nashville-based photographer named Jeremy Cowart, and uh, he's he's very much in your line of thinking where he wants to use his skills in a many different ways. So, like, at one yeah. point, he wanted to create a hotel, uh, NFTs. I mean, he just, he goes wherever his curiosity is, and it's so cool to yeah. have people like that because they think it provides a... I think a, an example, a, a case study for other people who don't want to be stuck because that happens. Oh, absolutely. I haven't worked a nine to five job in almost 20 years now. And I just, I can't do it. Like after about two weeks, <laughs> I, I need to get out. I always need something new, something different. Yeah. Uh, so before photography, I actually did contract work for a millwright company for 10 years and traveled all over the place, twisting wrenches. And uh, that that was it for me. It was always something new, always something different. I was always learning. I was always being challenged. And uh, yeah, I did that for about 10 years and got tired of twisting wrenches. And photography was always kind of a, a side gig. And I was like, well, I'm just going to see if I can do this full time. And that was uh, about six or seven years ago now. And uh, just always up for learning and growing and expanding and and I'm I'm at that point now with photography where I feel like it is time to to pivot and think outside of that box. It's interesting because on your website you're very open about the learning journey that you're on and and just how curious you are and all of the different things that you try and and I took a lot of comfort from that because I think sometimes we like to say that we're lifelong learners, but the minute you start straying from what you're known for, people are like, how dare you go beyond this box I've put you in? Oh, that's that's been a heavy conversation lately with some people and, and how well, even a, a tough one for me to to process and work through because I've I've shown up in this specific category for so many years and that's what you know, that's what family expects of me. That's what friends expect of me. That's what my audience expects of me. And I'm at a point now where I, you know, I'm, I'm not ever going to stop taking photos, right. but I'm looking at it differently in how I can use my skill set as a tool to go beyond that and pivot from that and think um, big picture. Like I mentioned, I've got some business ideas in the works. And another th idea that recently came to mind was like, I, I do a lot of real estate photography. That's actually my been my bread and butter for the last couple of years is real estate photography. Uh, so that's been a a big focus for me. And I've actually thought about getting my real estate license. So instead of just, you know, having a, a small piece of the pie, why not just have the whole pie for myself and just <laughs> do it all? And that's that's something that's like scalable mm -hmm. and beyond what I'm doing. It's like, okay, I've got the skill set to to do a lot of that and I get my license and then it's it's the full package. 
So just as a way to think bigger. So as someone who spends a lot of time in nature alone, how have you learned to be alone and allow your thoughts to soar into these big ideas, but then also come back and be around people and communicate with people and, you know, be on quote unquote. Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, so anybody who hasn't followed along with my journey, I spend a lot of time in nature, a lot of time outdoors by myself, photographing landscapes and more specific, specifically wildlife. And that's kind of been my, my thing for me outside of the, the service-based work that I do. So growing up as a little kid, my family was always out in nature. We were hiking, we were fishing and just kind of always out there. So it was something that I, I grew up with. And then as my, my love for the outdoors and nature developed and I got into photography, um, I found that nature ended up being my, my sanctuary. It's my church, my, my place of peace and solitude kind of away from business and away from emails and text messages and kind of the, the hustle of it all. And it's where I go to charge my batteries. So that way, when it comes to running a business, I find I just have so much more capacity to show up and deal with people and, and do the work. It's, it's the one thing I found that is my escape from that. And it's, it's different for everybody. And, you know, some people like to, you know, binge a, a TV show on Netflix and other people like to go to the gym. I, I like to be outdoors by myself. I love how you worded that too, because I think we don't think enough about the places of solitude where we can not be around the things that are draining us. And I, how you worded it is, is spot on. And I think for people listening, they can hopefully find places for themselves as well, you know, that they can do that. Yeah. I, th I think that would benefit so many people being out there. That's where, all the, the stressors, the thoughts, the worries all kind of melt away and you're just out there. You know, you don't necessarily have to have like a, a purpose for being out there or look for meaning out there. Just go out there and you'd be surprised what, what downloads you get and what clarity comes through because you're not distracted by all the, the notifications and the emails and the phone calls and the texts and just the, the noise of, I guess, just like business and work and being around people and the noise that we use to drown out that inner voice that maybe we don't want to hear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think some people it, it is an avoidance piece, and it's I I'm curious how you found peace with hearing yourself. That is a good question because you're so right. There's so many people that keep themselves distracted from that i mean I was. <laughs> yeah. that's been a lifelong journey just getting to know myself and be comfortable with myself and force myself to i guess be with myself and nature really does that because i've done some solo trips where i've been out there for you know up to a week even 10 days by myself and you know nobody to talk to 
and you you're just left with yourself and your thoughts and there's you know there's no cell service there's nobody to talk to it's just you and uh i think everybody should try it I agree. spending some time themselves yeah and they they might realize it's not as scary as they think it is yeah. getting to know themselves and listen to that inner voice so it's it's done me good yeah. so i, I <laughs> well, not only is the inner voice scary, but you've had a lot of bear sightings. Yes. And that can be a pretty frightening experience. What what does it feel like when you're that close to the awesome power of nature? Humbling. Hmm. It's uh it's very real in those moments. Uh, th those are those guaranteed moments where your thoughts and your worries and your stresses all go away when you come face to face with a grizzly bear out in the woods. I enjoy it though, and I I don't take it lightly. Like over the years, I've read countless books on bears and other wildlife, and just learning all about animal behavior, uh, animal body language, um, just as as much as I can about these animals because I do enjoy photographing them. I do enjoy having these encounters and, and seeing them. And I feel like I've developed the, you know, the knowledge and the experience to go out there and do it safely. I think it's been a big thing for me as well. So I, I don't ever feel like I'm putting myself in a, a bad situation where I could get hurt. Because when I do have a bear encounter, I can look at that bear and read that bear and understand it's like, okay, is the bear stressed? Does the bear want me here? Does it want me to go away? Um, so each encounter is different. It's just being able to understand what that bear is trying to, to tell me. Wow. And just, I don't know, being in their, their presence is, it's pretty neat. It's exciting, like there's a spot uh, maybe an hour away from where I live, where the salmon spawn every fall. Wow. So I'll go up there and you won't see any people and I'll go hang out and watch the grizzlies and the eagles. And it's, uh, I guess part of my, my sanctuary and my, my peace and my escape is getting to go out and do that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't just apply to bears. Uh, like I've spent time around mountain lions and wolves and I've got so many crazy stories with all these animals. And, uh, you know, I spent like, when was that this past February, I spent about three hours with a mountain lion. Oh, wow. That, uh, had killed a deer the night before. So it had a, a full belly and wasn't going anywhere and, uh, didn't care that I was in the area. So I spent about three hours photographing and filming this mountain lion. And we just kind of hung out. There's no stress, no tension. And once again, that's just being able to read the situation. I've never once considered that an animal, like you could read an animal's body language. I mean, oh, yeah. it just goes to show that I don't go around wild <laughs> animals often, but like, that's that's pretty awesome to be able to learn that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, most most people don't know that. They haven't taken the time. Uh, like, I've, I've read books on tracking as well, so I spent a lot of time on tracking. I've had some mentors along the way 
So I've reached out to people and asked a lot of questions and learned a lot that way, talking to people. Yeah, it's it's a unique skill set that I don't know. I don't know if it's good for business or photography (laughs) or how it applies to you know the world outside of nature, but I, I sure enjoy it and value it. Yeah. How did you learn to quiet your own fear so that you could rationally read the body language? I think that just came with experience. So the the more encounters that I had, the more comfortable I became with these animals and being able to read their body language. And uh, I guess a big part of that is when you spend so much time out in nature, you really learn a lot about yourself. So in these situations over the years, oh, that's a great question because I've been doing it for so long (laughs) where I, I learned to control my breathing and just like check in with myself. It's like, okay, you know, here's this large predatory animal that could hurt me. So immediately checking in with myself, it's like, okay, calm the heart, calm my breathing, just stay relaxed and observe the animal and just in those first few moments, read the situation, read the animal, read myself. And it's just a a practice that I've done for so many years now that it's almost like muscle memory now, I guess I just go out there and just in it. Yeah. See, it's funny because I see the direct connection to things beyond photography, beyond being in front of a bear. Like, you need to be able to read the people that you're with in business to see whether they're stressed, <laughs> whether whether they're hungry, whether they're stoned or drunk to tomorrow, you know, and then you need to lessen your own fear so that you can be in the moment and not be desperate and not say yes to too little money. And I, I just, I, I just see the direct correlation there. You are absolutely right. I guess maybe that's where I, I learned how to, to do that people piece was actually out in nature with these animals. Cause that's, that's where I started. I didn't start photographing people yeah. or anything like that. The first, five years of my photography journey was spent solely doing wildlife photography. That was all I did. And, uh, oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's, that's definitely helped me deal with, uh, yeah. people in that way and just being able to read people. Uh, for example, I do shoot the occasional wedding and I've, I've had two this month and it is very much about reading the people in a situation of kind of like how far you can, push them on their their wedding day it's like okay do you need a drink do you need some food and, uh, you know to get them because nobody's comfortable in front of the camera no so just learning how to approach these people and like okay can we go over here and i need you to do this and do that and just kind of checking in with them and yeah. reading every situation i guess that applies to to all the work that i do mm-hmm. So that's, that's so interesting. I, yeah. I learned something new today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just learning all of it. It's awesome. Um, one of the concepts in photography that, that I just absolutely love is capturing that decisive moment. You know, it's, it's that, that feeling that you've captured it. Yeah. Um, do you know in the moment that you've, that you've got it 
do you have that sixth sense or is it something where you're like, oh, the third frame after that decisive moment was better? <laughs> you definitely know that you've got the shot. You feel it in that moment where everything just comes together. You hit the shutter, you hear that click and it's just like, yeah, that's that's the shot. That's the winner. And uh, it's it's a bit of a, a high, bit of an adrenaline rush. There's definitely some energy that comes with that. That's been a draw to photography is, is what, for me as well, is uh, going out there and getting those shots, knowing when you get one. And that applies to, to everything that I do from, you know, wildlife, landscapes, real estate, weddings, and everything in between. I'm always curious because I got really interested in photography before I got into film production. And I found that the decisive moment still kind of works in video. It's just a little bit different. So it's not like you capture that single frame, but mm. it's like all of the things. It's like the composition, it's the focal length, the shutter speed, it's all of that but also the movement of what whatever's in the frame. And, and I have mm. those moments where I'm just like, yes, I got it. You know? <laughs> and, and, and I think that I think whatever pursuit we're in, there is that decisive moment where we just intuitively know that we've, that we've captured what we're after. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just really interesting to me. It's like, I think about the instances where a job went wrong. And I'm like, I knew in the moment that, that I, that I messed it up. And so it's like, it almost oh, works the other way too. That's so true. And like, I've, I've done a lot of video work as well. And I guess I've experienced both sides to that in the moment. It's another interesting point, but, uh, yeah, you, you definitely know whether you got it or you didn't get it. <laughs> right. Or you, or you hope that you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you get back on the computer and be like, oh, I could salvage that. There's always that, I guess that stress or that pressure of like trying to get that shot, trying to, you know, to know that you got that shot. That's probably also what drives a lot of us creatives too, is that, that push to, to have that feeling and know we got that. It's in the moment too, like when, when you're working with a client and you, they're looking to you because they've just been vulnerable. Did you get it? Did you get it? And yeah. then you're like, no, I didn't get it. And they're just like, oh, devastated. Or that moment where you can be like, you nailed it. And then you can just see their whole body language change and yeah. feel even more better, more better. Hello, more confident with, with what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. And I think as time has gone on, getting those shots has just been more and more common. Like I, I find I, I worry less the longer I do this, where I'm not worried that I, I didn't get the shot or that it, it didn't work out. I think just from the experience of doing this for so long, whether that be taking photos or capturing video, it's almost muscle memory now. I would say for like with photography for me, it's it's muscle memory, just holding the camera and just like click the dial this way, one or two clicks and press that button. And I, I don't even think about it. You know, like a, the wedding I did last weekend, it's just like, okay, I've got the shot list. It's in my head, capture all the important moments. And it's just, you know, check, 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 check. And just doing what I do best. So when you're in 
a moment of wanting to push your skills, to put yourself in situations that require you to challenge that muscle memory, to do things that maybe you're not 100% comfortable with. What, what does that look like for you? Most of the work that I do, um, I feel like I'm, I'm not pushed or challenged these days. So, you know, something like real estate is pretty straightforward. I do a lot of work in the tourism industry. So a lot of outdoor activities, small businesses, uh, stuff like that. And the, the challenge isn't there. It's just a matter of, you know, checking off the, the shot list. There's definitely some challenge when it comes to doing something like photographing a wedding, because you do have to be switched on. It doesn't matter how you're feeling. You know, if you don't want to be there and it's not like, hey, can we reschedule your <laughs> wedding for this weekend when I'm feeling better? <laughs> so you just have to show up. You have to be switched on. And then, you know, the day is going to progress and you don't have a second chance to get any of these shots. I would say something like a wedding is still challenging for me to make sure I get those shots, to make sure the camera is set right, to make sure I'm standing in the right spot, to make sure composition's good, lighting's good. I guess you don't have control over the the weather, the clouds, the sun, you know, rain or shine. So that's another interesting dynamic about photographing an event is you have to work with what you have. You know, you can't make the sun go away or make a you know cloud show up. It's just kind of making those those split second decisions to uh, keep everything moving forward is a good challenge for me. And then. There's, there's more challenge for me on the video side of things. I'm not as familiar with video. I don't have as much experience, but it's something that I've definitely done a deep dive into. And I do a lot of video work as well. I've done wedding videos. I've done real estate videos. I filmed a documentary. Uh, I've done video work for small businesses. So there's definitely more challenge over there because with photography, you're just capturing that, that single frame. Whereas with video, generally it's 24 frames a second. So, you know, is it safe to say that video is 24 times harder than photography? <laughs> well, then you throw in audio and then you throw in everything else and it's 240 times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be so many different, you have to wear so many different hats with video. And, and like you say, audio is another very, very important part when it comes to doing video. Yeah. It's, I've done a lot more audio work lately and it's, you train your ears to hear certain things. So yeah. when I, I'll say things like, oh, we have to do that again. They're like, why? I'm like, you didn't hear the airplane that just flew over? <laughs> <laughs> no. How did you hear that? <laughs> or the the house three doors down had the landscaping team out. You didn't hear that? Oh, oh yeah, that, that's so true. And a great example of that right now is the the fridge in the kitchen over here behind me. It's pretty noisy. So I was like, oh, before... Before I get on here, I need to unplug the fridge so that doesn't mess up the audio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny just the things that we experience when we have expertise in something that other people don't. Yeah, they never think of it. So just developing that awareness for whatever, whatever you're doing. So when you look at photography, when you look at videography and art and science and all of the things that you've explored in your life who were some of the people that inspired your journey in terms of writers or thinkers or explorers 
Like for me, I love, there was a photographer who uh, also wrote in Outdoor Photographer. His name was Galen Rowell. And he was big in like Yosemite and in California. And he was a climber and a photographer and a writer. And I just fell in love with the way he described things, but also showed them. Okay. Well, for me, it started at a very young age. And I went on a family vacation to Maui. And we ended up going into this art gallery and it was actually Peter Lick's photo gallery. Um, he's a very famous landscape photographer. So I was oh maybe 12 or 13 years old. And I remember walking into this art gallery and seeing all these photos on the wall. And I was just blown away by the, the talent and the, the color and the quality. And I was just completely in awe of Peter Lick's work at you know 12 years old or whatever it was i'd say that's what started it for me and at the time i remember buying disposable cameras, like those ones where you get 20 or 30 shots and you just give it a little blind and the single yeah. click and you have to wait a week to get them developed <laughs> those were so awesome <laughs> yeah it started there and then my interest in cameras kind of developed and I ended up getting a little video camera in high school and I went out and just filmed me and my friends just like boys being boys doing dumb things and mountain biking and playing in the woods and all of that stuff and I was really inspired by mountain bike videos in the I guess late 90s early 2000s uh, I couldn't tell you who made any of the videos, but that was a big inspiration for me was these mountain bike videos. And uh, from there, I bought a photo camera and was still doing the same thing. I, was, I started photographing some of my friends mountain biking and hitting these big jumps and, and drops. And it kind of evolved from there. Like I've, I've always loved nature. I've always loved the outdoors, hiking. Yeah, so after I spent a couple years photographing my my friends mountain biking and gt snow racing and just all the crazy things that we did i started taking my camera out into nature and the outdoors and doing some landscape stuff and a little bit of wildlife photography and uh i was really into that and that just progressed it evolved to the point of where i got a, a bigger lens because you definitely want a long lens when it comes to photographing wildlife and uh, at that point a big mentor for me was this photographer named John Marriott out of uh, Canmore Alberta and he's a, a big wildlife guy he's been photographing wildlife since the 90s and uh, I reached out to him and you know asked him questions and kind of got some advice from him and just very closely followed his work and found him to be very inspiring um, so at, at that point, it was just me out there for the next five years photographing wildlife and talking to him and other wildlife photographers and just asking questions, getting feedback, kind of sharing locations and experiences. And then from there, I realized that uh, it was pretty tough to make a living photographing wildlife. 
so that just became like a hobby or something I did on the side really for me just to get out there. And I continued to develop my photo and video skills by taking on other work. I'd say I've pretty much done it all as a photographer. I've photographed wildlife, landscapes, real estate, weddings, portraits, families, maternity, products. Like if you name it, I've probably... <laughs> That's fantastic. And I and I love how open you are again about that journey of just trying anything and everything because it speaks to that willingness to not only learn but to put that learning in action. Yeah. It uh it was really important for my my process, my my journey. I I think it played an important role being open to everything. And what I realized is how, like, I, I live in a small town of about a thousand people. And when I started my photography journey pretty early on, I did take a business course. It was like a six month course, all about business and accounting and uh, marketing sales. And what they kept trying to drill into me was about how I need to find a niche. And the more specific my niche is, the more successful I will be. But that does not work when you live in a small town of a thousand people. It's like, okay, there's a thousand people here and I'm going to niche down and only do pet photography, let's say. Yeah. It's like there aren't enough pets in this town for me to make a sustainable living as a photographer. So what I realized was how living in a small town you have to be open you have to be diverse and willing to do all these different jobs as a photographer to make a sustainable living whereas if you live in a big city you can narrow it down to pretty much anything you want and just photograph that one specific thing and there will be enough of that in that larger population to to make a living off of it the whole idea of niching down is such a huge conversation, no matter where you live. Yeah. And it's it's interesting because I, a lot of people feel like they have to. No, They don't even consider where they live. They just think, I have to do that. And so I, I love the perspective that you just shared where the location matters. Oh, the location definitely matters. And that was something that I, I learned throughout my journey is I did have all these people telling me, it's like, okay, you need to niche down. You need to pick a specific thing and, you know, do this and be the best at it. And I, I believe that for such a long time. And I struggled for such a long time yeah. because I was trying to do that. And once I, I just gave up on that whole concept or idea and I just opened myself up to whatever. Yeah, it's like, okay, now I have enough work where I can do what I want to do and live in this beautiful location in this little town. And I don't just work in this little town, like I also service the surrounding little communities. So I've got an area of a couple hundred square kilometers that I travel throughout here in British Columbia. And uh, I do all different kinds of work for all these different people. And 
all these little towns and it works and I enjoy it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, one of the interesting ways that you have shown your diversity is photographing fierce pugs. <laughs> and that's uh, that's honestly how i learned about you was through grumble farm and and just uh the work that that you would see there and i'm just like this guy's work is incredible and that cold poop thing is really funny so oh friends cold poops yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh wow where do i start with grumble farm um <laughs> I well, first of all, I'm known as the pugtographer in that community. So my my partner runs a a business around pugs. She has a couple pugs. Well, I guess there there are pugs, but it's mostly her business. And they have a bit of an a following on Instagram, and she's been able to monetize this following. So she has Patreon. So she's got her subscription members um she gets donations she has companies reach out to her to get her to you know try and use these different products and what i've done for her being a photographer and videographer is i've obviously taken all her photos and do her video work and uh, it's turned into something where she's you know been able to break free from the nine to five and uh you know, just share her, her pugs with the world. And that's how she makes a living. And it just watching her go through that, that process and helping her with that really opened my eyes as well to what's possible these days and how you can make a living. And you really don't have to listen to what anybody is telling you. Like if you have an idea and you think it'll work, like just go for it. Like what's, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be pretty amazing when you send mail all over the world. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She, uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I took a, a photo of one of the pugs and he had this really funny face and we turned it into a sticker and, uh, people have gone absolutely crazy over this sticker and she's shipping it all around the world. And the same thing with her Patreon community. She does what's called Pug Post. And we've taken a bunch of the Pug photos that I've taken and turned them into postcards. So for these paying members, they get Pug Post every month. And once again, it's all around the world. It's it's yeah. the craziest thing to have these Pug photos that I've taken um, just go everywhere. But it's, it's definitely been a, a team effort. When it comes to photographing pugs yes like it, it's not something that i could ever do by myself because i really need to focus on the the technical side of things and the composition whereas my partner brandy she is definitely the pug whisperer <laughs> so we work as a team and i'll pick a location and tell her it's like okay can we get them set up on this rock or under this tree or by these flowers and she'll get them all set up and she's got her treat pouch and talks to them in a certain way. She'll hold the treat directly above the lens. So she'll wow. be beside me and hold the treat right above my lens. So the pugs look at the lens. And uh, that's how we've been able to get a lot of these shots is by working together. 
as a team, I think that's that's been so important for getting those crazy shots of pugs on top of mountains and by lakes. And <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that partnership and what you've learned too, because I think sometimes when we're looking to find new ways to to expand our businesses, we often miss what's around us. Instead, focus on people that we'll never even meet and be like, I'm going to do what they're doing, as opposed to your partner or your spouse or you know a family member might have a really good idea that you're just missing because you, for whatever reason, aren't looking at it. Yeah, it's so important to collaborate with others. Like, I, I don't see anybody as my competition. I see them as, you know, colleagues and friends and people that I want to talk to and get to know and uh, and help them. Like, I want to see everybody succeed. I want yeah. to see everybody be successful. Uh, so I think it's it's so important to not be a lone wolf and to find other people that fit into your your tribe and that you can work with and talk to and bounce ideas off of and have that support system and have those people to hold you accountable to make sure that you are showing up. Well, Jesse, as we wrap up our time together, I mean, you've already shared countless bits of wisdom throughout this conversation, but what wisdom would you like to leave with the audience? I would say that it's okay to think outside the box when it comes to earning a living. And it's okay to do something different than what people expect of you. So in in my case right now, that's a learning journey for me is for so many years, I've been showing up in a very specific way. And right now, my following, my audience, my, you know, my family members expect me and want me to keep showing up in this way. But you don't have to do that if you know, you're no longer inspired to do that, or you want to grow outside of that, or you want to pivot, you know, if you want to expand in any way, like follow your hearts, do what's best for you, not of what people expect you to do. And that's, that's where I'm at. I'm at this, this pivot point. Like I've had a, a crazy spring with photography work. It's been seven days a week, 12 hours a day for almost two months now. And I'm just wrapping up I think I've got like three edits sitting here on my desktop that I need to finish up. And then July and August for me is wide open. And I've got nothing officially on the, the calendar, which I'm excited for because, you know, I've I put in the work, I've made the money to give myself the time now because I know I want to grow and expand outside of this photography box that I'm in. So I want to take the summer to to do a deeper dive into that and really feel that out, explore other avenues and kind of see what, what feels right. And there's, there's a few ideas that I want to explore with that. So you have a book or podcast that you're looking forward to diving into first. Well, obviously getting work to work. <laughs> Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Since you reached out to me, I've uh, started listening to your podcast a, a little bit. And the most recent one that I listened to was with uh, Neil Morse. Yeah. So your your podcast is resonating with me just from the, the whole entrepreneurship and business side of things. So I'll, I'll definitely be listening to uh, more of your podcasts. Well, thank you. I wasn't, I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I'll take it. <laughs> 
Um, other than that, just really anything that has to do with entrepreneurship, business, money, uh, the tech space and where all that's going, like with crypto and AI and Web3 decentralization. Probably the most recent book that I've read, though, that uh, got me all fired up was The Richest Man in Babylon. Yeah, if anybody wants to read a book about money, that is hands down the best, most inspiring book you will ever read about finances. And just the, the way that it, it breaks it down into these stories and just makes it so simple and so inspiring for anybody to understand. If you know nothing about money, you know nothing about how to how to save money, how to build wealth, it's the best book you'll ever read on finance. 700 episodes in seven years is something I never thought I'd accomplish in my life. And it's an unbelievable body of work that is continuing to grow thanks to you. To every listener, thank you so much for your ears and your curiosity as we've gone on this journey together. To every guest, I will never forget your trust in me as an interviewer and conversationalist. Your time has been a value to my life and to, I hope, the listeners' lives as well. To the five-star reviewers, thank you for taking the time to leave me kind words about what you love about the show. And to the one-star people, thank you for caring enough to let me know it didn't measure up to your expectations. If there's one bit of wisdom that I want to leave with you, it's to reach out to people whose work you admire. Tell them you dig their work. Tell them what you love. Tell them what inspires you and how you've turned that inspiration into something that you've created. You never know what it will mean to them over time. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.